Romans chapter 16. If you don't own a Bible, don't bring one with you this morning. Please grab one from under a seat in front of you. And again, if you don't own a Bible, take that one home with you after the service, our gift to you. Romans chapter 16. We finally, after almost a year studying through this, this amazing letter together that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, we come to the final chapter. Romans chapter 16, and Paul, as he is finishing up this letter that, is, that he's dictating to this church, a church again that he's never personally visited, he's not made it to Rome yet, um, he will eventually, but at the point of writing this letter from Corinth to Rome, he has not visited there. We're going to meet several people though today as he signs off this letter, just his heart kind of pouring out in to these people that are there, just this connection that he has with the church there in Rome, though he's never visited it personally. And we see so much as we've, if we've traveled through this together, this amazing letter, this so much doctrinal truth in, in the book of Romans. So many amazing pillars that we, that we cling to in the truth of God's word. And yet here now Paul is, is signing off. And one of the things that just blesses me at the very outset, before we start going through this list of names that Paul desires to greet with this letter, just the very personalness of the letter, but also the fact that, guys, it, it was written to everyday people. It was written, it wasn't written to Greek scholars, <laughs> It was written for people like you and me to be able to, to, to take it and to absorb it and to apply the truths that we get to it to our very lives. That was Paul's heart and that is God's heart as, he, as this letter is penned and delivered to the church in Rome. So follow along with me as we begin verse 1, chapter 16. And again, this is just a very personal signing off of this letter. I've, I've commented a couple of times, it's almost like Paul is trying to bring this to a close several times through chapter 15, and we're going to see that even a couple more times. At the very end of chapter 15, we looked at that last time. Now the God of peace be with you all, amen. And you think, okay, we're done. Nope, we're going to move right into now, and as he now deals with this, it's almost like he, he just can't, can't, can't sign off the letter. But he says, verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church which is in Centuria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many, and of myself as well. Phoebe, this is the only mention of her anywhere in Scripture. A godly woman, note first of all, it says in verse 1, who's a servant of the church, which is in Centria. Servant, that word, that Greek word there is diakonia, which is where we get our term deacon. She was deaconing in the church. Whether she held the official title of deacon or deaconess in the church, we aren't sure. But she was doing the work of a deacon. She was serving in the church, seeing needs as we see there. She was looking for needs that were needed to be met and ministering to those needs. Not only to the church there in Centria, but Paul says specifically even his own needs. She would be going out of her way, looking at what needed to be done and doing that. And that is the role of, of servants within the church, looking to see what needs to be done and, and engaging in that work and in that serving. And we see here Phoebe being one of those. And now when she gets there, he's telling the church there in Rome to receive her in the Lord in the manner worthy of the saints. Receive her with arms wide open. And 
no doubt with a with a also the idea behind it is she's also doing a very important thing. Phoebe is going to be the one that is going to carry this letter of Romans to the church in Rome. We're going to talk a little bit later. We talk about there's a there's a man who is is dictating this, but Phoebe's going to be the courier. Can you imagine? Here, Phoebe, I want you to take this letter and carry it to Rome. By the way, probably the only copy of it, there wasn't a soft copy on Paul's laptop. <laughs> this was handwritten out and now carried by Phoebe from Corinth to Rome. Can you imagine? I, I wonder, and I you know, don't know for sure, wonder if Paul understood the magnitude of this letter, if Phoebe had any idea how important this letter was. But I'll tell you who did know how important, how it was going to be used, and that's God. God knew. And so what do you think the chances were that Phoebe wasn't going to make it to Rome with the letter? <laughs> like zero, right? Understand it, just wonder the, 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 the divine protection of Phoebe and that letter as it traveled. The angels that were watching over her. And I just, I, I paused there for a moment because guys, as believers, angels are watching over us. The things that God calls on us to do, even some daily things, the way that we interact, the things that we do, we have no idea the internal, eternal significance of even a conversation or of something that we are called to do, but God knows the eternal significance. And we need to embrace the fact that God is going to make sure that his plans are carried through, even to the point of dispatching angels on our behalf. Hebrews tells us that they are ministering spirits sent to serve the heirs of salvation. That's you and I as born-again believers. And the power of the angels, it tells us in 2 Kings chapter 19 that one angel, one night, killed 185,000 soldiers of the most vicious notorious army in the world at that time. One angel, one night, 185,000. You might ask, why not more? Because I don't think there were any more. <laughs> he just, I mean, he was probably done by midnight. Just wasn't any more. Guys, if we would just have any idea, think of the story of Elisha's servant. As he woke up one morning and went out and saw the enemy surrounding on the hills all around. And he goes running into Elisha and says, you know, and Elisha noticed he's in panic. What are you so upset about? And he goes, you won't believe this. He come out and look and Elisha's like, just waking up. And so what's the big deal? And then he says, Lord, would you let him see? Elisha said, just let him see. And for a moment, the heavens are peeled back and the servant saw all of the heavenly hosts that were above. And he's like, Oh, all right. Okay, so what's for breakfast? <laughs> this amazing woman, Phoebe, Paul entrusts with the letter and again the divine protection that is with her as she carries it there. Just again note, he says, help her. Help her in whatever she needs when you get there. And just, the, we're going to see this as we move through. Just this idea of family that just keeps this continual theme that comes through the entire book of Romans. But, but here specifically in, in family, helping each other out. Verse 3. Greet, and we're going to see this word greet over and over and over and over, and it's simply what you and I would think of the word greet. Greet, embrace as they come. Greet Prisca and Aquila. My fellow workers in Christ Jesus, 
who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles also greet the church that is in their house. Here Prisca and Aquila, otherwise known as Priscilla and Aquila, Prisca the shortened version of Priscilla, and we have seen them as we've studied through the book of Acts, they're mentioned in several places, fellow workers with Paul, they first meet Paul in Corinth, they're from this area in Rome, but because of persecution that was going on under the emperor Claudius, who actually ordered the expulsion of all the Jews from Rome, from Italy, they fled to Corinth, and there met Paul. And, and they, were, they, they started doing ministry together, and then when Paul moved from Corinth to Ephesus, they actually uprooted again and moved with Paul to Ephesus and served with him in ministry there for another couple of years, eventually now making their way back to Rome. Eventually, they will be back in Ephesus when Paul writes to Timothy from, from prison several years later from Rome. He writes to Timothy, and they find themselves back in Ephesus at that time. What an amazing husband and wife team that we have here, fellow workers in Christ Jesus. And just a, just a great picture of servants of the Lord, willing to go wherever the Lord would lead them. Not, not complaining, not, not looking for ways out, but man, just uprooting, going from Rome to Corinth, Corinth to Ephesus, Ephesus back to Rome, Rome back to Ephesus, following the Lord as he would guide and lead them. And notice, opening up even their home. The church was meeting in their home, willing to not only lay down you know, whatever it would be for the, themselves and, and selflessly, but whatever they had as possessions. You know, Lord, if you want to use our home, our home is open. And look at this, even to the point Paul says, for my life they were willing to risk their own necks, laying, willing to even lay down their own lives for Paul. We don't have a record of what that specifically meant, but guys, these guys were totally sold out for the work of the Lord, and not only blessing Paul, not only blessing there in Rome, but the church, throughout all the churches of the Gentiles, blessed by this amazing couple who simply desired to use their lives and their and their marriage, and their union together, serving the Lord together. Well, he continues, greet Epineatus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. We don't know anything more about this guy other than in that whole area, which again includes Ephesus in that area, not as Asia as you and I would know it today, but in that area, more like Turkey, what we would know today. The first convert. Now, we don't know if that was the first one that Paul led to the Lord or if it was someone who was led to the Lord somewhere else and then he moved there. We don't know for sure, but we know that he's been a Christian going way back and he's kind of known throughout the region as being the first one to come to the Lord. Can you imagine being the only follower of Jesus in an area yet staying steadfast in your faith? And Paul recognizes him for that here. Verse 6. Greet Mary, another Mary in the Bible. We don't know anything other than, notice this, who has worked hard for you. She has been a servant again. Like Phoebe in, in Centria, here we have this woman named Mary in the church in Rome just working hard for them. Andronicus, verse 7, Andronicus and Junius, he says to greet my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are outstanding among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Now, verse 7, just, just a little quick note here. Notice what we know about these two individuals. 
Paul is very clear. He says that they were Christians before Paul. We can take that away. That's very clear. And notice that it says that they shared in some type of suffering with him, fellow prisoners with him. And, and interesting because the, the, the idea that's shared there is they were shared, shared a cell possibly together. They shared in some type of suffering in prison together. And what a blessing that must have been to Paul. And Paul was in and out of prison a lot because of his faith and because of his boldness for that. And to, to, to share a cell with another believer and to encourage each other in that difficult time. Have you ever found yourself in a place like that? Hopefully not prison, but a place where you, know, you're, you, kind of, you feel pressure, you feel, you feel kind of all alone, and then to find that there's another believer there. I can remember back when we first moved here um, from El Paso, my wife and family and I moved here about 20 years ago now, and the company that I was working for, a large corporate company, uh, there, there weren't many, if any, believers that I knew that were there. And I had just come back to the Lord at that time and, and was really starving for that type of fellowship at work. And then when I found him, his name is Rick Alvarez, and to be able to, to, be able to talk with him and to pray with him, what a blessing that is. Paul shares that. So those are the, that's what we do know about this couple. What we don't know is whether... This is a man and a woman, or both men. Junius is a name that could be used either feminine or masculine. We don't know if it's a married couple, if it is man and woman, or if it's a, if it's a brother and sister. We don't know those things about them. We also, it's very, what it says here is they're outstanding among the apostles. That word literally outstanding means well-known. So we know what it does say, just very plainly, is that they were known for th throughout the apostles. Why am I making a point of this? Because this verse is used by some that come with a preconceived notion about something to support their view on a certain doctrine. And the reason I say that is not to get into that doctrine. My point is, guys, we can't take a text and make it say what we want it to say. Many people do that. And I've heard the saying, I've shared it with you before, it says if you torture the text long enough, you can make it say whatever you want it to. Guys, we need to take the word of God for what it says. There's, there, there, there's enough beauty in this verse that Paul recognizes this couple, that they've been in Christ for a long time. They've been believers. They were, they were fellow prisoners. They shared suffering together. And that, that they are well known among the apostles. And just leave it at that. Instead of taking verses to try to make it say what we want it to say. Well, he continues as he outlines this. Verse 8. Greet, greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachius, my beloved. Greet Apelles, verse 10, the approved in Christ. Now, we don't know anything more than that about Apelles, but man, what a, what a great way to be remembered. The approved in Christ. I would, I would venture to say all of us as born-again believers would love that to be said about us, to be approved in Christ Jesus. Now again, I'm not going to try to stretch this to stay any more than what it says. However, that word approved is used somewhere else where the Bible tells us how we can be approved, and that's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. 
as believers, guys, we need to be in the word of God and we need to be studying it. We need to be reading it. We need to be meditating on it and saying, Lord, what is it that you would desire to have that do in me? Individually, personally, we're all called to be in the word of God regularly. That's why we, we make such an emphasis about that here. That if you don't own a Bible, take the one that is in a seat in front of you. Take that home with you. You need to be reading your Bible. You need to be studying it, meditating on it. Wednesday nights, we have a, our children's ministry program here, and it's called AWANA, A-W-A-N-A. And some people ask all the time, what does that mean? It means approved workmen are not ashamed. And it comes out of this verse. And that the, the entire program around Awana is to teach the children the Bible, to have them memorize scripture, but not just so that they have it in their head, so that they have it in their heart. So they know what it, what it means and what, it, what, it, what God desires from them because of his living word. It could also mean, again, because it, James tells us that that uses this same word approved to be tested to be one that comes through a trial or a difficulty. And guys, in faith, we understand that that's how God strengthens our faith, by taking us through trials and difficulties, never leaving us alone, but taking us through those things. And again, this man, Apelles, approved in Christ. Verse 10 continues, greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Now, we don't know much about Aristobulus. There's a lot of conjecture and ideas about that he was a, a rich man, possibly involved in the governmental structure in Rome at the time. But it's interesting that he says, greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus, not Aristobulus himself, which would seem to indicate that either Aristobulus has passed away or that Aristobulus himself is not a believer. Interesting sermon Charles Spurgeon did on Aristobulus, questioning why not you if the rest of your family. And the challenge here today to anyone who is here thinking that because they are a member of a household that is saved or, or, or come from a lineage of, of Christians, but you yourself have not made that commitment yourself to follow Jesus, don't leave here today without doing that. It's a personal decision that needs to be made yourself. Paul continues, verse 11, greet Herodian, my kinsman, greet those of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Again, here's another household name. This name we do have, if it's the same gentleman recorded in history, he actually did work directly for the emperor himself. In Philippians, Paul discusses and mentions that there were a large number of believers within the emperor's household could be possibly of the household of Narcissus here. Greet, verse 12, greet Tryphenia and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. Now, these sounds like the way that it's listed here, that, you know, they're, 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 there may be twins, twin girls, possibly. If you're looking for names and you got twins on the way, <laughs> Tryphenia, Tryphosa, literally means delicate and dainty. Just a little free information for you there. But notice, workers in the Lord, in the Lord. They served the church, and it was because they were in the Lord, because they loved the Lord, and it was just their, their desire to serve him. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. Again, noting the, the diligence in the hard work in the Lord. Verse 13, greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, and also his mother and mine. That's a, that's a cool verse, a gr great greeting. Rufus, 
His name is, is also mentioned in the Gospel of Mark, and just a little, just a little heads up, I believe that's where the Lord is leading us next. So if you want to get a jump start on, on reading ahead, get, start reading in the Gospel of Mark. But in Mark chapter 15, verse 21, Mark is writing the, the, the gospel there that will reach the church in Rome. And he mentions there that when Jesus, you know the story, he's carrying his cross and he can't carry it any further. And it tells us that they grabbed the man on the side of the road, Simon of Cyrene, to carry his cross. It tells us, Mark, he kind of puts it as a little insert, parenthetical insert in, in his gospel account that Simon was the father of Rufus. And here, no doubt, this, this connection there, that the people in Rome would know who he is. And so he says, greet this. I'm a choice man in the Lord. Also, his mother and mine. Now, he's not speaking biological mother, but Rufus's mother at some point took Paul under her, under her wing and, and was like a mother to him. What a blessing to have, have someone like that in Paul's life, no doubt. Verse 14 and 15, where we have several more names here. Greet Eccentricus, Philegion, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brethren with them. Greet Philogicus and Julia, and Nerus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. If you're not here on Wednesday nights, as we go through the Old Testament, you know, it's a different kind of setup as we go through Wednesday nights, a little more casual, and I'm going through that. And I've shared the, the secret to reading biblical names. And here, I'll just give it out to you. Read them loudly and confidently, because nobody's going to know. <laughs> nobody's going to know. So, but now you know. So. Just as I, as I going through this, and this, this just blesses me. I don't know if this, again, I, I will always share with you when it's something that I think that, I, that I'm taking from this, but this just blesses me. This is just one of those that makes me chuckle. But notice it says, greet Nerus and his sister. I can almost see him, Paul, as he's dictating the letter. And greet Nerus and, um, um, God, just, uh, and his sister. Um, you know, <laughs> that blesses me because I can't tell you how often that happens to me. God knows, though. God knows her name. God knows everything about her. I love, the, I love this, these 15 verses as this lays out, because there's, we don't have a lot of information, but they were important people to Paul. They meant a lot to Paul and his ministry. He's just taking this opportunity. Again, he hasn't been to the church there, and we don't know specifically if he's met all of these people or not, you know, like Mary in verse 6. We don't know if he's ever met Mary, but somehow Mary has been mentioned if he hasn't met her in conversation as he's talking with these others as they're going through these different places and he finds out that they're from Rome and, oh, tell me how things are going in the church. And he hears about this Mary. Oh, she's serving and she's doing this type of stuff. And you just hear Paul's heart in this. Paul gets a bad rap sometimes that he's, you know, this cold and, you know, because he deals with difficult issues. And just look at Paul's heart here. Paul was a, a loving, kind, gentle man that just loved people. These are important people to Paul, but guys, they're so important to God. Again, the limited information we have about them, God has records upon records upon records. And the same is true for you. Everything that you do for the Lord is recorded. He doesn't forget one thing. 
Jesus said, even if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward for that. These people didn't do these things to be mentioned by Paul in a letter. But can you imagine how blessed they were to hear that? In verse 16, he says now, once they get this letter, he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Just this great sense of connection, of fellowship with one another there within the church. But also, he said, all of the churches greet you. And this connection with the, the, the larger body of Christ, the church around the world. What a blessing it is to connect on that level and know that we have that in common, that we are all blood-bought sinners, saved by grace, and we have that connection with brothers and sisters around the world. And he says, man, we all greet you together. But notice this, and again, this I'll, I'll greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, that idea of the holy kiss, that was, that was very cultural at the time, to kiss on, on the cheek and that type of thing. And the, the holy kiss, again, they're kind of, that's that greeting. And we don't have that same type of thing here in our, our culture. But I'll tell you what I love to see out there in the foyer before the services is all the holy hugging going on. As you guys see one another, and it's been a week since you saw them or whatever, and it's giving each other a hug. And, and last night it was a blessing to have a couple that has been out for a while because of illness come back and just to see the line of people, to give them a holy hug and welcome them to come back. And guys, that is just such a special part about the community, the body of Christ, the connection that we have. And in the, in the day and age that we live in anymore, it's so important because so much of personal, interpersonal, tactile connection has been lost with all of the technology that we have. You know, the texting and Instagramming and all of these other types of things to, to, to stake. And guys, with that becomes separation, not connection. With that, it breeds loneliness. <laughs> and notice, I think this is important. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss, not an emoji kiss. <laughs> and if you don't know what an emoji is, God bless you. I, that's... <laughs> but, guys, we can never lose that sense because the enemy wants nothing more than to divide us. The enemy wants nothing more than to say, hey, you know what? Just, just catch the online recording later on in the week. Now, it's there for a reason. If you can't make it to service or you want to catch up, we, all of our services are recorded. We, we have the live stream that's going out. And, and that, that, that part of our fellowship grows all the time. And God bless you. Hi, everybody online. But... Don't let that become your regular, your regular intake of, of church because we need each other. We need the connection. And as I was thinking through that this week as we're going through this, it would appear just at, as, at reading through, and if you did in chapter 16, perhaps this struck you, that verses 17 through 20 don't seem to fit. 
It's almost like they were stuck in afterwards or, or whatever. But the more I've thought about this this week and, and read through this, this is a perfect place for this because Paul is talking about this community, this connection, this fellowship that is there. And it's because of that and it's because the enemy understands how powerful it is, he's going to try to do whatever he can to stop it. And that's why he fits this in here, verse 17. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report of your obedience has reached all. Therefore, I am rejoicing over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Guys, understand that when God is doing a work, when God is moving, when, God, when, the, when the church is, is growing, not numerically, but, but in depth and understanding and becoming a, a powerful tool in the hand of God. We've said this often. When we are out to do the Lord's work, expect the hand of God on you and expect the hand of the enemy against you. And as we do that, we have to be wise to that. And that's what Paul is saying. This church is growing. It's thriving. It's having an impact on the culture in Rome. It's having an impact on the people of Rome. And so the enemy is not going to like that. And so the enemy is going to try to send in descenders, dissension, to cast all of these seeds within the church to cause problems. And he says, look out for that. Look out for dividers and deceivers. Now, when we're talking about, about this, we're not talking about arguments. We're not talking about disagreements that would just come about in the normal part of doing life together, because that's normal. I mean, that happens in our own households at home. Why wouldn't it happen in the larger household of the body of Christ? That's not what he's talking about. It's very specific what he's talking about here. He's talking about those who have the intent of causing dissension and hindrance. Notice, contrary to the teaching of what you've learned. And I, I have a, a feeling Paul's part with that is everything that is outlined for you, as you read through this letter, as it, as it is laid forward for you, there's going to be those that are going to come in contrary to that. They're going to come in and stand up against it and try to pull you away and deceive you. If you're new to Calvary Chapel and you haven't, or you've been here just a few weeks, perhaps you don't know that this is our, this is what we do. We go through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. We go through the New Testament on the weekends. We go through the Old Testament on, on Wednesday nights, and we go through the entire Bible that way because we believe that it's important that we go through the entire counsel of God. Every verse is important. Nothing is filler material in the Bible. It is all important for us. Yet there are many who will say, no, you know what, That's, that, that was for a different time. Things have changed. You know, the, the, we, we leave that out because it's not relevant today. Guys, every single word in the living word of God is relevant for you and I as much today as it was then. And that is why it is so important that we do what we do. Because guys, here's the, here's the fact of the matter. The Bible or the, the enemy believes every word in here. And he knows the power of it. That's why he's so set on dividing from it to water it down, to divide and deceive. That's why unity and truth is such a big deal to the Lord. 
That's why unity and truth is such a big deal to Paul. And identifying those that might cause dissension and problems was a big deal. He, notice he said, this is a, it's a lordship issue. He said they're not slaves of Jesus, but of their own flesh. Jesus himself said, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. They're going to come in and they're going to try to look like you, try to sound like you. But their desire, their design is for their own appetites. They're not there to feed the sheep. They're there to feed on the sheep. Smooth and flattering speech. Again, their intent to deceive and devour. And Paul says, what we are to do is to turn away from them. Now, one last comment on this because Paul didn't have to deal with this in his day. What he's talking about is, is those that would be coming into the church, flattering to see, you know, with this type of stuff and trying to draw away. There was, that was a big problem in the church at that time. The big problem in the church in our time, I don't, I don't believe is as much as what happens within the walls, but what happens outside of the walls. What comes through the television, what comes through the internet, all of those things. And our challenge as Christians is that we are to keep an eye out for those that would speak anything other than what you have learned in the word of God yourself. That's why it's so important you have a copy yourself. We go through this together. If, you, if any of you, and I've said this, I say this from time to time, but in case any of you have missed it, if any of you came here today to hear what I have to say, don't ever do that again. You need to come here on the weekends to hear what the word of God says. If you ever, I'm a flawed human, I am a sinful man, I, I am simply a messenger that, that is just going to study the word of God and tell you what I've learned. And that's, and, then, and that's it. Those that will say I have this or I have that and, and draw those after themselves, guys, if it's not, if it goes anywhere contrary to the word of God, run. Change the channel, get off, called to be wise in what is good. We're supposed to know the real deal. That's why. We spot a fake a mile away. And they're not hard to spot. They're not. Called to be innocent in what is evil. That literally means not to be mixed at all with, legal, with, with evil. It's not legalism. It's just a choice. We don't have time today to go back to it, but I encourage you. Paul, Paul spent all the, Romans chapter 6 talking about the fact that we're born again. We're dead to that. Why would we go back to that sin? And Paul is saying, move on. Get out and never look back. Crush Satan under your feet. We know that that ultimately is coming. And he's saying, when we live this way, when we stay focused on this, when we have the unity of the fellowship, guys, this is just a preview of coming attractions. Submit to God, James says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, Paul continues now. As he signs off the letter, again, he says, greet those. Now he's going to list some names of those who are with Paul in Corinth as those that are, again, sending greetings to them. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. Timothy is the, the one who Paul initially met in, in Acts chapter 16, joined the team. Paul t personally discipled him, even called him his son in the faith. Traveled with Paul through much of his journeys. He greets you, as does Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsmen. Verse 22, I, I like this, verse 22, I, Tertius, who write this letter, greet you in the Lord. Tertius, as we've mentioned, Paul is the 
is dictating the letter. Tertius is the one that is writing it out. Tertius, his name literally means third, and because of that, most people believe that he was a slave. They, they didn't give you your normal name. They called you slave number one, slave number two, slave number three, and he was slave number three, Tertius. It's primus is one, secundus two, Tertius three. That's his name. And no doubt at this point, a freed slave and he's writing this letter, and I can almost just, again, imagine him sitting there, and as he's dictating to Paul, and he just says, hey, Paul, Paul, right, would it be okay if, if I kind of put in my own little personal high? And Paul says, sure, sure, go ahead. Ah, awesome. Verse 23, Gaius hosts to me and to the whole church there in Corinth, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, greets you. And Quartus, there's slave number four, Quartus the brother, verse 24 again, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. And Paul finally now reaches in verse 25 this, this amazing benediction, if you would, as he signs off the leather. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past but now is manifested and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. Amen. To him who is able to establish you. There is only one who is able to establish, to strengthen you, and that's the Lord Jesus. Paul, after all of this, says, guys, to him be all the glory. He alone can strengthen and establish you. And he mentions this here. It's interesting. He says, my gospel. And what Paul is speaking of when he says, my gospel, is he's talking about the gospel that he's been writing about for 15 chapters leading up to this. The gospel that he originally introduces in chapter 1, where it says, the gospel of God. And he talks about that because it's the only gospel that matters. Gospel meaning good news. All other news will leave you far short. All other news will leave you in the same condition. But God, the, the good news of God manifested in Christ Jesus. The plan from eternity past that God himself sent his only begotten son to live a perfect and sinless life and to die on the cross shedding his blood for your sins and mine. The only payment that will satisfy a holy and righteous God. And Paul says it's my gospel because I had to embrace it myself. I had to receive it myself. I had to receive the free gift of salvation myself in order to make it mine. If you're here today and you've never done that, today you need to embrace it yourself. You need to make the gospel your gospel. You can't be saved because your family's saved. You can't be saved because your, your dad was a pastor. You can't be saved because you've attended church your whole life. The only way to be saved is to make the gospel your gospel, to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. I want to lead you in a moment, an opportunity to do that. To him be the glory forever, amen. But just, as, just to tie up some thoughts here from chapter 16, because... I love this. He's talking to these two churches, the, from the church in Corinth to the church in Rome, and he just how, how the body functions together and how they bless one another, how they serve one another, how they just, just this total blessing, but it's all characterized by love. Love for the Lord Jesus, love for one another. Again, this common thread running through all of this, the connection, the fellowship, the unity. But within the unity of the body of Christ, guys, there is great diversity. 
There is a ton of variety. Can you imagine how boring it would be if we were all like you? <laughs> now, don't be offended by that, but I just... <laughs> so much variety. I mean, Paul, as he's addressing this, the young and the old, the singles, the married, the men, women, elite and slaves, Greek, Roman, Jew... All of these people that he's addressing there in Rome, and understand Rome was the, Rome was the collection play. Everybody, Rome was the capital of the world at the time, and people from all over the world were congregating there. People from all over the world coming to Rome, getting saved, being a part of the church there in Rome. And a congregation should be no less diverse than the community surrounding it. And guys, I love looking around a room like this and seeing the diversity in the room. Calvary Chapel Surprise is a unique fellowship. We here have, have the young and the, and the, and the not-so-young. <laughs> and we have, we have singles, and we have married, and we have widows and, and widowers. We have, we have people from all sorts of social classes. We have such an ethnic mix here. The variety is such a beautiful thing in our fellowship. As long as we stay united... As long as we accept one another. And by the way, when we accept one another, we accept one another as we are. Not as we want one another to be. Understanding that, that we're all in different stages of our walk with the Lord Jesus. That we're, all, that we're all called to be growing and progressing in that, but we're all growing and progressing at different rates as well. It's a beautiful thing. The guys here, we need each other. We need each other. And the one thing that we need to embrace, and I love the way Paul signs this off, he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Guys, we need a ton of grace in this. And understand, grace is, is not earned. It is freely given. And every single one of us in this room has been given a ton of grace by the Lord Jesus. And as it's been freely given to us, we need to freely give it to each other. Would you please join me in prayer and then we're gonna close the service a little differently today. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the unity in your body. Lord, I thank you for the great diversity <laughs> in your body as well. How we're all individually handcrafted and selected by you. And Lord, none of us are here by accident. You've brought us here. And you've mixed us all together. And Lord, it is such a blessing to worship you side by side. Such a blessing that we are all brothers and sisters in you. And Lord, we just pray that you would pour out your grace on us and Lord, as you do, that we would extend that grace to one another, encouraging one another. As we've seen in this, in this closing chapter in the book of Romans, Lord, all of these different people just blessing each other and, and, and carrying one another and, and greeting one another with a holy kiss. Lord, how that must bring a smile to your face. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I invite you to do that right now. Simply a matter of turning your, your heart to him, 
responding. Repentance means to turn from the direction you're going and turn the other way. He is standing behind you with his arms wide open. Simply turn to him and receive him today as your Lord and Savior. You just pray along these lines. You say, God, I'm a sinner and I am desperately needing you. I believe that you died to pay my penalty. You paid, paid the debt for my sins. So would you come into my life right now and wash my sin away? Would you give me that gift of eternal life? I know with that I'm welcomed into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.